We don't have any Stephen King. You've got the shoe. You mean shiny. Shh. Wanna get sued? It's just your fate. You're that geeky Stephen King kid. There's one of you in every school. Okay, that's him, that's him, that's Cujo, that's Cujo. I was thinking along the lines of no TV and no beer make Homer something, something. Oh, crazy. Don't mind if I do. Hello and welcome to Tower Junkies, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. Tower Junkies is a podcast celebrating the work of Stephen King, hosted by two lifelong constant readers. We do non-spoiler and spoiler reviews of King's published work and take a critical look at his film and television adaptations as well. We also discuss the latest King news and check in with each other on our ongoing King obsessions. It's the podcast where all things serve the King. You can find more of our work at TowerJunkiesPod.com. You can also like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash towerjunkiespod and follow us on Twitter and every other level of social media at towerjunkiespod. And if you'd like to support what we do here, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer for a ridiculous amount of bonus content spread across all of obsessiveviewer.com's various podcasts and anything that just strikes my fancy that I want to throw into the world with a microphone. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I am one of your hosts, Matt hurt and today on the show we're going to be discussing the boogeyman and sometimes they come back uh two short stories from stephen king's 1978 collection night shift and since my co-host tiny recently started a new job and has a bunch of stuff going on uh joining me tonight we have our returning guest and friend the wonderful host of the equally wonderful podcast the year of underrated stephen king uh, which you can find on Twitter at uh, underrated SK Pod. Welcome back to the show, Kim C. Yeah. Hi, everyone. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm so excited to be here. I love your intro, Matt. It almost oh. makes me dance. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. The intro music or the me rambling through a whole script? <laughs> <laughs> the music. But okay. I, I, nice. I do love your intro. Very organized. Oh. You know, you know, thank I you. love organization. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> I will say um, I, I hope that uh, your hopes aren't too high because I have some notes here, but I'm this is going to be all free form and everything because that's just kind of how uh, I am as we were talking before um before we started recording um w- this is the end of the year we we're, we're <laughs> it's 2022 is almost done this is the laid back time so hopefully this will uh be 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 fun <laughs> aka we be tired yes. we be tired oh yes oh yes i like i rested my eyes after work uh <laughs> tonight and like i was just Sitting here, like in my, like I was in my recliner, I had the lights off and everything. I'm just like, okay, I set, set an alarm. And then my upstairs neighbor, cause I live in an apartment, my upstairs neighbor like came out and re- like ran down the stairs and I heard her talking on the phone saying that, um, that like her DoorDash went to the wrong building or something. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> apartment living. Okay. <laughs> awesome. No nap for me. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh Yeah. <laughs> So, Kim, how have you been? And and if you could tell the audience, uh, again, where they can find you online and what's been up at the year of underrated Stephen King. Oh, 
I'm I'm so excited. I always get so like a burst of energy every time. So I have to like tamp myself down, like calm down <laughs> crazy. Um I've been really well. This has mm-hmm. been a great year thus far. Yes. On the show, we've m- made a lot of friends. Mm-hmm. We've had a lot of constant reader interviews. I wasn't able to read as many King novels mm-hmm. or King titles as I would have liked this year, but I'm really proud of what we've done on the show nice. this year. So it's been good. We've had about like 26 episodes, super great content and fun stuff and growth and all the things. So I have been really well in that area. Nice. In in life, can't complain. I awesome. might a little because, you know. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, we can't complain. Things are good. Nice. Love life's great. Family's awesome. good. Health health is decent, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, I've, <laughs> I've been extremely well. I, I'm very grateful. It's been a good year. Awesome. Well, I'm very happy to hear that. And uh, just all the respect in the world to to your show it's just such a a a fun deep dive into stephen king's universe and world and all the peripheral stuff attached to it so uh big fan of uh everything you do really (gasps) thank you so (laughs) much matt that is so kind and yeah yeah, likewise But yeah, thank you so much, especially at the end of the year when you run out of gas and you kind of look back and have crippling (laughs) (laughs) self-doubt. So it's so appreciated. Oh, yeah, of course. I think I missed your earlier question about where folks can find me. I'm on on, uh, Audible now. It's wild. Yeah. So you can actually find me on Audible, which is very cool. Mm -hmm. I don't really know how that happened. It's an early (laughs) Christmas miracle. Nice. So we're on Audible, all the podcast outlets, um, but you can always say hi on Instagram or Twitter or underratedsk at Gmail. The old good old nice. email. Uh, oh, yeah. I will write you back. Being a teacher, I will. I will be <laughs> in touch very quickly because that's what I do: is grade papers very all the time. Nice, nice, awesome, and of course, links to all this will be in the show notes of the episode. Um, yeah, it is the end of the year. I'm not sure. I'm just going to peel back the curtain. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure if this is going to be the last. Well, I think either way, it'll be the last episode of the year of 2022. Um, so, yeah, I'll just go ahead and commit to that. It'll be <laughs> this is our farewell to 2022 episode. Um, and the reason why I was so awkward about that and and uh, aside from the fact that that's just who I am as a person, um, <laughs> is that uh, we are recording, we're hopefully, Tiny and I are recording uh, our Carrie 2013 episode, which, if all goes as planned, will have come out um, on, on the main feed last week, and you guys are listening to this the last week of December. But the reason I said all this preamble and everything is that the timing of recording means that I have not talked on a microphone about the news of Mike Flanagan <laughs> having the <gasps> oh rights to the Dark Tower. <laughs> oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, man. <laughs> yes. Can we talk about that? Because yes. Yes, huh, I like I I tweeted this and I, I had this thought literally the entire day when that news broke. And, and the news for everyone that that is, you know, 
unsure or doesn't remember if you're in the future and you're watching like season five of the Dark Tower series. Um, but <laughs> God, I hope that that happens. But anyway, <laughs> um, the news is that Mike Flanagan, who has had a um, development deal with Netflix for several years, all of his shows are on Netflix. He recently left uh, and got a new overall deal with Amazon Prime. And like, even when that happened, I was just like, Amazon Prime probably still has the still has the um, rights to the Dark Tower. And he has said that he wants to do the Dark Tower. And I'm like, I wonder what, hopefully, maybe someday. And then like, within a month, like the news broke that like, he's like, yeah, that's my passion project. I have the rights. I got the okay from Stephen King. And I've written like he I think he says that he's he has a plan. He has a very detailed outline. He has written the pilot episode. And yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. And he envisions it as five seasons of a TV show with, uh, I think he said, either one or two feature films to complete it. Um, Hold the phone. Yeah. And it's worth it. Like, I, I do have to say that that technically he just has this done. Like, he has that. At this point, he doesn't, it's not been purchased. It hasn't been, it hasn't been something that he, he's not, he's not creating it for Amazon Prime. He, from my understanding, he's basically doing it on spec. So he has, like, he has all of this done. So no one has bought it yet, but I feel like if anyone can get this off the ground, <laughs> it's Mike Flanagan and like, I just I uh, like I kept saying over and over Mike Flanagan has the rights to the Dark Tower like over and over <laughs> again and like those words like send chills down my spine. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Anyway, well, how did you react? Oh my god, I I'm still <laughs> speechless about mm. it. I so I I can't even form words. That's how <laughs> how much emotion I feel. So th at first, like. You know the little mind blown emoji. Yep, that's basic. That was me. Mm -hmm. I I absolutely because this is this is our greatest dream and it yep. came true. Oh yeah, and oh, I'm yeah. just like oh I I can't even. However, shortly after the immense excitement and joy mm -hmm. hit me like a train, like blame the mono perhaps. Yeah, I <laughs> <laughs> I was like oh my god, what if what happened to revival happens yeah. to DT. And I was like, mm -hmm. no, I can't speak that evil. Right, no. Right. Um, but I, I was, Oh my God, my heart took flight when I heard he was doing revival because yeah. I adore revival. It's oh, yeah. one of my all time faves. And so I just got really uh, scared. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I can barely breathe. I'm so excited about this. Yeah. And if it somehow gets, you know, pulled out from under us, mm -hmm. I will collapse. Oh, I will me collapse too. Oh, in yeah. a public place. <laughs> oh yeah. So but yeah, yeah, oh my Matt, I I just have nothing but like holy crap. It's yeah. if this gets off the ground, this could be spectacular and this could draw yep. the world to the power of the tower. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like he so like he he posted a tiktok which 
his his TikToks are amazing. Like I don't get on TikTok uh, that often or anything, but like whenever I see like one of his, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm I'm gonna watch it. They're always hilarious. They're very clever <laughs> yeah. and fun. But he posted one where it was him doing like a Q&A and the question was um, asking like what his kind of shot list um, process is uh, for pre-production and everything. And so he goes into detail and he talks about how before they start production on really anything they he and i think he and his his uh his dp they get together and they map out like every shot of every show and every uh, of every movie before they start they map it out they do that and then he actually takes those he takes that and like binds them and he has like shelves of just a bound bound collections of all of these shot lists and and like diagrams and photographs and stuff from like just just mapping out every single scene and like as he's going through his uh his shelf i just see and it's it's heartbreaking it's so heartbreaking because just on that shelf is one that's just says revival on the spine and i'm like yeah i'm like a i'm like god i would just i would pay an exorbitant amount of money to just look at that because i'm very curious my cash in with yours oh yeah oh yeah um and and just the fact that it's not that'll never happen is just you know it's and like i saw that tiktok before the news broke about the dark tower and everything and like i like tiny had sent me one that he had had done uh with him and and kate uh siegel and in that he like says something and it's it's funny and everything i don't remember everything but tiny had sent that to me and said look at what she's reading and she's just sitting there just casually like reading the gunslinger and i'm like oh that's interesting (laughs) yeah and i'm like okay and then like after that i think after that is when he gave like his interview with i think it was um oh god what was i think the av club and he kind of talked about how like, oh, you know, Dark Tower, that's my passion project and everything. That's my Everest. And then after that, we get the the news and everything. So I'm just like, oh, God, I just this it's big. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, it is. It is huge. It is the hugest of the huge. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think anything could compare to it unless mm. Frank Darabont directed right? an episode, you know, like yep. that would really cause me to stroke. Out. Oh, that would be so. amazing. <laughs> wouldn't it like yeah I, I just yeah i i watched on netflix the midnight club i had a lot of yeah. fun with that one and there's a scene where one of the teenage characters pulls the gunslinger out of his locker and i was like that's so awesome huge, huge gasp and so nice. now that we know all the news it just it wow it feels very destiny yes oh yeah oh yeah i oh it's uh it's 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 going to happen. I'm going to yes. will that out into we the universe. We will manifest. Yes. We will manifest this. It it will happen. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um <laughs> But when I, I think yeah. about like, oh my gosh, sometimes I fast forward ahead to like, oh my gosh, Matt, mm. when this thing goes live, it is like we there will be brand new constant readers yes. everywhere like yes. we will have tower junkies springing up like dandelions like yep. everywhere and it is just going to be an amazing renaissance of king oh absolutely and then the 
the weird uh consumer and collector in me is like we're gonna have tie-in editions of of each book yeah it's it's gonna be yeah oh yeah um like i part of me kind of hates that i have like a paperback copy of the gunslinger that is the that it's it's the um uh the the tie-in edition for the movie but um but i have to have it i i just have to have everything (laughs) um i would never judge you on any king purchase we all have our vices (laughs) and i support those vices (laughs) Uh thank you thank you (laughs) um and speaking of the dark tower and everything you have finished uh wizard and glass um, I have. Yes. Uh, have we talked about it on here since you've been on? Because I, I think you were I in progress. So. Yeah. Um, how did you have, like, you know, uh, how, how do you feel? What it, like, do you have a roadmap of when you'll go on to the next one? Or is it just like taking a big breather after that? <laughs> oh, Matt, these are beautiful questions. Okay. <laughs> So once upon a time, I finished Wizard and Glass this year <laughs> and survived it because mm-hmm. I felt like my body, heart, and brain got thrown into a wood chipper. Yes. And it was amazing. And I think it might be my favorite of the series thus far. Nice. It just It just rocked my world, Matt. Oh, mm. my gosh. it's. I mean, I really, really love the Wastelands. Mm-hmm. But then when you get to Wizard and Glass, you're like, oh, I really got abducted by aliens now. Like, Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I am in it. I think the Wastelands is when I finally fell in love with the Cotet. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, man, I am obsessed with every single one of you. I love you. And then when you get to this backstory of how Roland became Roland, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm in love. I am in love oh, yeah. with the Dark Tower. And I, oh, my God, I am sold out. I will sell all my possessions to follow you, Roland. <laughs> like, so I, unfortunately, the love story just was so breathtaking. Mm-hmm. But the tragedy of Wizarding Glass—it yes. wrecked me, Matt. Like, I am wrecked. I'm still wrecked. It's yeah. It is. It's one of like King's. I would say it's one of his like most beautifully told like love stories, and it's it is a tragedy. It is an absolute tragedy. And it is, it is gut-wrenching. It's, oh, it's, it's beautiful. And what's amazing is you, you know where it's going. You know what's going to, you know that there's no happy ending there. (laughs) Um, And then it just, it still just knocks the wind out of you. It is, it is absolutely fantastic. Um, 1000%. And I think I recorded when I was a little too raw emotionally yeah. because oh man it's it's a it's a dumpster fire of emotion <laughs> because I was struggling I was struggling mm. with the pain of this narrative I was I was like this is how I feel I should not record when I feel this way but here click the red button anyway so it, it was a, it was wild but but that yields I, like the best content anyway so I I fully am all for that <laughs> I'm glad. It, in retrospect, I'm like, well, just, you know, we'll just give it to the people and you could skip or or listen to me break down. One of the right. two. But I I think I've decided to be a little rebellious mm-hmm. and head into wind through the keyhole. Oh, okay. Nice. So I've kind of I, I asked I asked constant readers, I mm-hmm. asked tower junkies, I was like, what should I do? And I really got a lot of 
like 50 50 said mm-hmm. stay canon do not deviate keep going <laughs> and then other folks are like it's fine who cares <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i was like um so when i found out that wind through the keyhole is kind of an extension mm-hmm. of where we're currently at with wizard and glass i was like oh i just want to go back there oh real yeah. bad real bad so I feel I'm I'm 75% going to deviate and go rogue and mm-hmm. head into Wind Through the Keyhole nice. early next year. I want to say Feb or March. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. And honestly, like that's that's a really that's that's a good strategy. That's a good way to go because Wizard and Glass is such a a tome. It's it's yes. huge, it's big, it's sprawling. Wind Through the Keyhole is an interesting bridge of sorts well maybe not bridge but it's it's an interesting just like i'm i'm of the thought like there's no wrong way to read to read the dark tower (laughs) it's there's like if you save it for the end of the journey it's a nice coda to everything it's a nice kind of like it's a nice kind of just like little blip of of midworld uh after you finish the whole series but if you wa- read it in sequence it's like okay you just had this emotionally just devastating massive story and then before you get to you know the last three books that king published in like a three-year span because he wrote them feverishly after the accident um uh you have this like bridge to that like few books um to end it so i don't know i i think that that is a very good strategy and i can't wait to hear what you think of it all really i'm so glad i'm so glad to have your blessing because i think if you would have said that's not a wise choice i would have backpedaled i really um so i'm so glad to have that blessing to go forward and just because yeah i i think i'm still so emotionally (laughs) yeah ravaged by by the wonderful wizard and glass that i I really just want to stay there a little longer nice nice yeah um very holy hell holy hell matt like (laughs) i mean you tried to tell me like buckle up lady buckle (laughs) up and you were right everyone was so right (laughs) yep yeah uh i can't like when uh and i i have so many different irons in the fire and everything but like when the news hit about flanagan having the rights and everything i was just like i could i could re i could reread the tower right now i could reread all of them i could stop everything right now and just dive into it and just reread all of them um so maybe i might do something because i i've always wanted to do like a read along thing on tower junkies with me and tiny doing it and then like having people on and all that stuff but beautiful yeah but i don't know where tiny's at with with reading it so i'm like (laughs) i also have patreon that i keep doing these read along things so um so maybe i might do something like that for patreon on uh in in 2023 but i'm also still like over halfway through fairy tale so i need to get back into that i've just been so so busy with so much stuff so yeah um, absolutely it yeah. is so hard sometimes yeah oh yeah and you're like i just want to read and yeah. enjoy <laughs> yep absolutely absolutely 
Um, yeah. And speaking of fairy tale, you have not read it yet. Not yet. Okay. No. So I have my beautiful hardcover ready mm-hmm. to go. I'm looking at it right now. Nice. So I am sort of planning when I, cause of course I'm salivating like yeah. everybody. I just want to dive in right now. My own dad read it and he was like, why nice. don't you read it now? And I was like, dad, <laughs> tempt you, not a desperate man. <laughs> And so I I think I I don't know if I want to do Eyes of the Dragon first mm. and maybe read it second and kind of have this side-by-side fantasy comparison. I love that. Right? So yeah. I was thinking about doing something cool like mm-hmm. that. So it's it's still in the stew pot, but Fairy nice. Tale will 100% be read in 2023 for nice. sure. Very nice. Yeah, I uh it's funny because I said this on Patreon, but uh like I and then I just and I just kind of lost it because I I mean this is just how I am I'll I'll do something and then I will see something else shiny or something or I'll just <laughs> be too busy but like I like one day I was just like okay I have like my reading like the chapter sections like I know what what section of chapters I want to read before I record for Patreon so I just went to like a coffee shop nearby took my laptop I listened to the audiobook I typed up notes while just there and i was like i cannot put this down like i can't like it is just so it's so rich it's just so beautiful um and then a month and a half passed and i still haven't i haven't gone past that but still (laughs) but in that moment it was like that's nothing to do with the quality of the book because the book is amazing um but yeah it's it's really really fantastic Yay, that makes me so happy because yeah. I just, oh my God, Matt, he's he's in his 70s. Yeah. And they, these novels keep getting better. It's so magical. It's just so incredible. It's incredible. It, yeah, incredible is 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 the word. Like that it, it can't, I, and that's something that like I can't fathom like the work ethic of him. <laughs> like Truly, it is, truly. It is truly like his purpose, like just the fact that he can still that he still even has the energy to just pump out a book a year or sometimes two books a year. And he like it is clearly like it's inspiring that he's someone who's just doing what he loves and doing what he's meant to do and is obviously able to be a massive, massive success at that. But it's just it's. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. It's it's beautiful to be a fan of Stephen King. <laughs> yes, a million yeah. percent. And sometimes I, when I think about it, I'm like, it's it's like one of those um, religious miracles, like um, <laughs> one of those holy sites mm-hmm. where you're like, this stone will rain tears, and you're like, what? <laughs> and then it does, and you're like, it's a miracle. Yep. I feel like that's King's work. Like, oh, yeah. we just get this book, and we're like, all right, I don't know if it's as good a, and then it's. I'm crying on my couch and I'm like, yep. this is the best thing ever. And I feel I, I it's miraculous <laughs> is the word. It's miraculous that at his age, he mm. has all the money in the world. He doesn't yeah. have to do this. He could have thrown in the towel a hundred years ago mm-hmm. and he, he just continues to give to all of us. And it's just the most amazing thing. And I, I get really emotional when I think about it. Cause I'm like, oh, yeah. I, this is this is so great. This is so <laughs> great, Steve. Yep. 
it's uh it is it is incredible it i just i can't i i literally can't even <laughs> yes absolutely yeah. can't even oh I yeah can't. oh yeah and then we have also the added bonus of like people that are discovering king like you said and like my friend mike uh he he will occasionally send me a text and be like oh hey what was your top 19 again um or he'll say like oh um what should i read next or whatever and like amazing yeah and like the last a uh, couple of weeks ago he was like so i'm thinking about you know what what should i what what's what king book should i read next and i was like okay uh this is very this is this is hard i was just like all of them but <laughs> <laughs> but i think and i hope that he is going to uh tackle under the dome and oh, yes i like i'm going to like force him to come on the podcast to talk about it uh because i have a feeling he's going to he's going to really really like that one that one um, is so wonderful yeah. that one is oh my gosh i read it <laughs> right <laughs> when lockdown happened oh no <laughs> A poor choice in retrospect, mm -hmm. but <laughs> that was a transforming book. That was yeah. wild. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jeez. I, I remember, <laughs> <laughs> like, I remember, and I've I've shared this anecdote on the podcast before, but I remember uh, early 2020 when when the lockdowns were starting to happen. Like, when we knew, like, oh, yeah, lockdown, we're going to, everything's going to shut down. Um, I remember, like, I just happened to be reading um the stand rereading the stand cool. and yeah and like just that surreal feeling of walking through the grocery store that is like so much more packed than it usually is with people grabbing items it wasn't like chaos or anything but it was clearly like there was an energy in the air that was like this is something that it, like it's it's not it's not panic yet and it's not it's not necessarily fear it's more confusion and reaction and it's like it was just like this surreal thing because I was like still in like the first third of the book I think where like it is dealing with like the everything <laughs> in the book and I'm just like this is just so weird. I'm like, I'm like, I'm grabbing things that I know will have a longer shelf life because I'm aware that I might need those to have a longer shelf life. It's just, it was, oh, that was, that was, that was weird. <laughs> Absolutely. Be, I, I love how you said that. It's not quite panic. Yeah. But I, I think that, oh man, that was, that was so accurate Matt, because <laughs> I, I remember feeling that like existential awareness yeah. and and dread and like yep. oh god i need to shift my thinking here real quick yep <laughs> do oh, i yeah. have enough toilet paper i don't right. know <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> oh man oh. dark times dark yep. times we yep. survived yeah but uh <laughs> let's uh let's 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 get out of the the darkness and talk about two very light <laughs> short stories <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, so today on the show, we're going to be uh, talking about the boogeyman and sometimes they come back and Kim, when uh, I know I've talked to you about night shift and last I checked, you hadn't dove into it is, are there any stories in night shift that you've read previous to these or is this like, 
your first foray into the collection? You are correct, Matt. Oh, wow. I have not touched Night Shift yet because I know how popular she is. Mm -hmm. She is prom queen of the short story collections, right? Like, she is the girl. (laughs) So I was like, I'm going to wait. We're going to wait on on Night Shift Mm -hmm. a little bit further down the journey. Um, But I, I just hear about Night Shift all the time. I know it's fantastic. I know that there's some spooky stuff in here. Yeah. Um. So I love all Matt Hurt homework assignments. So <laughs> I was like, we're doing it. We're doing it. Nice. We, I love I love King Short Stories. Let's do it. But I have never read anything in Night Shift yet. That is, that is, that's, that's wild because <laughs> my, like, um, so, so, um, as everyone knows, cause I am a shameless self-promoter on Patreon, I, I have, I have done several, um, read along things with the short story collections all grouped together, uh, you know, uh, short stories in the collections, talk about them into the void and then hope people pay me money to, to listen to it. <laughs> um, and when doing that for night shift, which obviously was the first one, um, I think I, I think I did that the beginning of this year, but, uh, or maybe last year, I don't remember. Time is irrelevant, but, um, <laughs> but the thing that struck me about night shift, and I'm curious if these two stories kind of have that effect on you, but these, these are stories that he was writing when he was, um, barely making enough money to make the ends, to make ends meet, to feed his kids, to get like, I think there's an anecdote in one of the collections and like one of the, um, uh, the introductions where he says that like, these are like, this was a time where I like the choice was food on the table or antibiotics for an ear infection that one of the kids has. Like it's, it was that like dire, And, like, the thing that strikes me about Night Shift is that these stories are so just intense and and there's a level of grittiness to them that just feels like it feels like it is definitely of a time in King's life. And it's it is it is wild, wild. So I don't know. What was your reaction? Like, how did you feel about the tone of? of these stories and everything. Oh my gosh, Matt. Yes. In all caps with like 50 exclamation marks. <laughs> okay. So y- you hit it on the head. This guy writing these stories is keeping the lights on. Mm-hmm. Like he, these are prize fighter stories. Like he is yeah. going for the knockout and he's going for it fast. <laughs> he is not wasting any time. And yep. what's super fascinating, especially with sometimes they come back mm-hmm. is you could tell the writer in him really wants to linger a little bit. Yeah. But he's like, no, I got to get to that punch ending. I got to get to the the jabs. I got to, yep. you know, throw these punches hard and fast. And, and so that was fascinating to see mm-hmm. in these stories. Like, and now we have these, you know, later short story co- collections that are fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've got novellas and 60 pagers and 80 pagers, and he just yeah. really allows it to linger. But n- oh, yeah. in Night Shift, he fights it. I, it. Just with these two stories, I could see that. I could see that he's fighting it. It is fascinating, Matt. It is so cool. 
And I'm so tempted to keep going because <laughs> I'm just like, oh man, this is this is another level. This is just like King at his like most wild, mm-hmm. hungry. I think hungry is the best word. He is so hungry. Oh yeah. And you can you can just sense it. You can tell. I I love that um I love that observation about it. It just like he wants to linger with it, which uh, we'll talk more in depth with with sometimes I come back. But like I had this experience where I was like re-listening to it um to prep and I was listening to the audiobook of it and I like it gets to a point where I'm like looking at the time and I'm like, okay, there's like nine minutes left. And like I thought for a moment, like, wait, no, 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 no. This maybe this just means that like my app has like a chapter and then and then the next one is like is the like last 40 minutes of the of the story because I couldn't remember. And I'm like, no, this is just this is lean. <laughs> it's it's just it just lives there. And I'm just like, oh my God, like it is, it is, it is wild um tight as a drum oh yeah oh yeah and i i fully think that if you were to go back and just read night shift cover to cover it is it it is all like that like like the the whole collection (laughs) is just wild crazy stuff and lean and just it's him like just throwing so much stuff out there that's just crazy and um it's 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 an impressive impressive collection (laughs) um these were such amazing story picks oh my goodness i really really enjoyed them and i'm fascinated by night shift so Mm -hmm. you 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 definitely might have uh led me via carrot to (laughs) to deviate from my path and just just dive headfirst into night shift and be like Sorry, protocol. Sorry, programming. <laughs> what schedule? Yeah, my plan is working perfectly. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, so let's get started with boogie the the boogeyman. Um, this well again we're gonna do a non spoiler and spoiler. I'll put timestamps in the show notes. I'll play music to separate the spoilers and everything. But um, I think that's how I usually do it with short stories. Anyway, we'll see. Um, So uh, The Boogeyman was first published in the March 1973 issue of Cavalier Magazine before it was collected in Night Shift in 78. And uh, my other note I have here is that an adaptation uh, is scheduled to be released on Hulu next year in 2023. which I'm very curious how they'll adapt it, but um, we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) But it is the story of a man who is uh, speaking to a psychiatrist about his, um, his children dying. And it is, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a wild one. It's a very wild one. Um, Kim, what did you think in non-spoilers about the boogeyman? Okay. Well, (laughs) so this was very cool. I think that's to put it succinctly, like this was very cool. I really like what he is doing with our narrator, Lester Billings. Mm -hmm. We encounter his voice straight away talking to psychiatrist, Dr. Harper. Mm -hmm. And right away, King 
sort of introduces this idea to the reader, which is one of my favorite literary devices, and that is unreliable narrator. Yes. It's like, oh my, oh my goodness, you be cray, sir. <laughs> like, you are unwell. Mm-hmm. Everything that's coming out of your mouth is crazy town. You are bananaballs.com. Okay. Yep. <laughs> and, and so that's really cool. That's really cool that the entire story is brought to the reader from this manic, twitchy, strange, ominous speaker. Yep. And it's it's a really neat device and mm. structuring. I really really liked this. Nice. Yes, it is that unreliable narrator and also unlikable narrator as well. Like he Yes. He's a disgusting person really <laughs> like in terms of I mean, just, uh, you know, the the misogyny, racism, the abuse and everything that's just like very casually thrown out. Yes. Um, and also just the way that it has this this effect where, you know, like right from the start, he just says like, yeah, I killed my kids. And we are led down that rabbit hole of this, like, is is he is he insane? Is this real? Is like, what is going on? And then as it just progresses, like you get more and more insight into who he is as a person. And it's like, yeah, he's pretty, he's, he's kind of gross. Um, and also, (laughs) but also, but also it's terrible. Like everything that happened is horrible and everything. So it's just, it's such an interesting, um, an interesting story from a very, very shaky perspective. I agree. And I'm glad that you brought brought up his ugliness as mm. a person. That's, that's a huge part of it as well. Yeah. And what's really cool is in addition to the reader thinking he's nuts, is there mm. is a cool part toward the middle of the story when he's mm. kind of talking about the death of his last child. And mm. we're, we're noticing a trend as yeah. the reader. And there is a little bit of doubt at that point. When I was reading, I was like, oh, man, like... Is, is he a really sinister family annihilator? Mm-hmm. And I have mm, underestimated him. Mm-hmm. I thought he was just a lunatic, but what if he is a cunning, calculating murderer? Yeah. Yeah, that doubt that's in there is just like... Again, even, even with it being fairly early in at least his publishing career... Um, that's just that's just incredible storytelling. It's just it's an it's incredible. Um, it's nuts. It's yeah. nuts what he's able to do with this character in such a short space. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, this is a short one. I think it's ten-ish pages. Now. Yeah, like, it's pretty brief. Oh yeah, it's little. Mm-hmm. And so I was really compelled how invested I was mm-hmm. in the narrative voice of Lester yeah. and this sort of emotional investment. Because initially I'm like, you're insane. Mm-hmm. And then I graduate to, I'm scared of you. Right. <laughs> I'm actually really uncomfortable mm-hmm. by everything that you are. And, and yeah. And then the third act is quite surprising. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And something that 
I also find very interesting about it, and it's something that I've talked about in the past, but like, since I also do Anthology, which is about me going through the Twilight Zone as a first-time viewer, all that stuff, check out AnthologyPod.com. But anyway, um, <laughs> what I'm finding as I go through Stephen King's like short fiction and filling those gaps and my readership of Stephen King, while also simultaneously like deep diving into the Twilight Zone, I'm finding so much influence from Rod Serling and the Twilight Zone in in Stephen King's work throughout throughout his entire career. And the Boogeyman is very, very similar in structure um, and in kind of overall story to one of the first, I think it's first five or six episodes of the original Twilight Zone series, um, Perchance to Dream, which is about a man who goes to a psychiatrist's office and he is talking to the doctor and he's telling him about a recurring nightmare he has where um, a woman is is taunting him and beckoning him onto a roller coaster and he is afraid that if he falls asleep he's going to die. Um, and so he's just telling this harried account of of like all the dreams that he's had and how he hasn't slept and everything. And so like that, it, that's a, that's a great episode of the Twilight Zone. And then I read the Boogeyman and it's like, it is, it is very clearly like, like a riff on that. And I'm just like, it's amazing that someone as talented and focused as King can simultaneously repurpose to an extent, like something so, so heavily repurpose something that's already been created, but create his own unique spin on it and thing. Cause it, he never feels like it's, it never feels like he's being derivative. It never feels like he's ripping it off at all. It's always him noticing the, the, the majesty of what's come before him <laughs> and putting his own voice into it. So it's just, it's a really interesting kind of exercise to see the patterns that emerge and the, the similarities between his influences and, what his his work so i don't know anyway that's a long-winded way of saying twilight zone good stephen king good oh my um, gosh yeah i was hanging on every word of that matt that oh, was so you. well said <laughs> and i think i was oh, man i just gobbled that up mostly mm-hmm. because the last king title i just finished was blaze mm-hmm. which is a richard bachman right. and it's king's take on of mice and men okay and so, i didn't know that i've never read blaze it's 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 great it's a sad one it's a downer Mm -hmm. but it is really special so what you said was literally what happened in (laughs) in blaze like he he takes of mice and men and he extracts it but he like you said it's not derivative Mm -hmm. he he makes it his own unique tale that's a beautiful homage nice oh that's awesome that makes me want to read blaze immediately (laughs) yes you nailed it you hit the nail on the head with that analysis because that's exactly what he does and blaze is a beautiful example of that he he really looks at the tech at um steinbeck's text Mm -hmm. and he he says okay let me take the heart of this and then paint a completely different canvas that has the inklings it has these these moments but you you would never ever say oh he's ripping it off Mm. you you would never say that right 
Oh, that's that's awesome. That's so awesome. Um, and one of my favorite just anecdotes, also from Night Shift, even is uh, uh, Battleground is a story that is very much a uh, a nod and a unique spin on another Twilight Zone episode, the um, Invaders, uh, which is about these miniature aliens that come and, and wreak havoc on this on this woman. Uh, isolated in a house. Obviously, there's a nice twist at the end. Um, and Battleground is that with like a hitman and G.I. Joe like figures um, or like just like army men, army men toys. And it's just like it is it's it's amazing. It's just so cool to see him riff on on that kind of on on stuff that's come before him. So. So, yeah. I love it. I love it nice. so much. And I nerd out epically when it's classic lit because yeah. it just I, I think it gives it new life, but it also encourages readers to to take a look at these classics. And that just makes me so happy yep. because we teach them in school for a reason. And I think at the end of the day, King is a forever English teacher. Oh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, so, uh, to get back to the boogeyman, um, do you want to go into spoilers for this short story? Let's do it. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to play a little bit of music, uh, to bring us into spoilers. And then we are going to be spoiling the boogeyman. If you want to skip ahead to our talk about sometimes they come back, check the show notes for timestamps. Um, and yeah, so I'm going to play music now. Right, and spoilers on for the boogeyman. Um, Kim, what did you think about the just like the bonkers, crazy horror <laughs> ending? Um, and and did it satisfy like the tension in the like previous like nine or eight pages or however long um it was? Great question. Well, when you reach that final page, I think the the first words out of my mouth were, oh, adult (laughs) Scooby-Doo. Like, okay, this is a Scooby-Doo moment. All right. I don't think I ever made that connection. (laughs) You know, That's amazing. Every Scooby-Doo episode ever in the history of ever, at the very end, it's never a ghoul or a monster. It's somebody in a mask. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, Scooby-Doo. Okay. So I I was surprised. That was mm-hmm. a twist. And it was, I think the punch is pretty effective. Nice. I feel that in the early 70s when he composed mm-hmm. it, I think it would have hit a lot harder. Yeah. Because I think we're a little desensitized in modern day, just a skosh, yeah. to where you're like, a mask? Really? <laughs> um, <laughs> but when I think about like a Scooby-Doo moment, mm. and when you realize that our unreliable narrator was telling <laughs> the gods honest, yes. then you're like, oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah. That's so interesting because, yeah, the entire story is from his perspective. It's him recounting everything that's happened. He's completely, obviously, completely 
unreliable. He is in a fragile mental state. And when he goes out and sees, I think it's like when he goes to the secretary or, or he goes out of the office and like, it kind of reads like, it kind of reads like the, the, um, the normalcy of the world around him has just just instantly collapses now that he's gotten it off his chest and then now he returns back and he sees like oh yeah the boogeyman he's gonna like presumably he's gonna be you know eaten and everything or killed um but it's just it's 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 a really interesting really interesting story um totally and with that ending to put it black and white for listeners dr harper is the boogeyman the mask was a human dr harper mask which (laughs) this bestial creature rips off at the end Mm -hmm. and reveals himself to lester billings as the monster who murdered his children and it's shocking it's a big twist but Mm -hmm. i think when i really thought about it matt one of my the big fears I have, especially that King exposes as human evil. Mm-hmm. And what really freaks me out is as somebody who's a huge fan of therapy and I'm a verbal mm-hmm. processor. So talking things out is my jam. Nice. And when just to imagine uh, being <laughs> vulnerable in front of a therapist and then my therapist becoming a creature mm-hmm. <laughs> um that was frightening that's a frightening concept and i think it yeah. really can still hold up in modern day in that regard mm-hmm. that wow yeah that's a very interesting read of it i'm cuz i'm just i'm just focused on the punchline i'm focused on like it being the representation of this this being that will always haunt him and is going to just eradicate his family um no matter what and then he's going to be the last one to be to succumb to it and everything i didn't think about that in terms of him bearing his soul and getting everything off of his chest just for it to uh just for it to be like a ruse of sorts and just like there's no there's no there's such a there's such a darkness to it because there's no yes. there's no reprieve from his him bearing his soul like there's not he doesn't have that catharsis because it's instantly just ripped away from him and that yeah it is it is so dark so dark, dark. as hell in that yep. regard I was like oh whoa yeah. um one of the when I think about that feeling I got like vulnerability and then exposure and like danger in that vulnerability (laughs) in Rose Matter, which is a Mm -hmm. bonkers King novel. It's wild times really still worth the read for sure. But Mm -hmm. King is, this was written in the nineties when King was really exploring domestic violence against women. And so he has a women's shelter and a healing group and like uh, he oh god oh my god matt he (laughs) he completely bulldozes that bubble of safety for those women and it is dark it is dark unsettling upsetting Mm -hmm. so the punchy ending of boogeyman it's effective it works and you're filled with that doom that i think he wanted you to have as the reader like the floor got pulled out from under you like oh crap that guy was telling the truth this is really bad 
But when I look at that vulnerable zone he was in, and he, at the beginning of the story, he's like, I can't go to a priest. I'm not Catholic. I, mm. I, I can't go anywhere. Like, this is the, my only, this is my only hope. I, yeah. I, I only have this moment and he's super manic about it. And I just, I think in present day, we have a lot more reverence and respect for mental health. Mm -hmm. And so when you read this story now, you're like, er, my gird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, oh, that is, yeah, that is a great, that is a great read of it. Um, yeah, yeah. There was uh, something else I was going to say about that, but I can't remember. But it, it's, it's brutal. It is so just, yeah, pulling the rug out from under us is is absolutely great and just the leanness of it how quick it yes. is um it is it is incredible because you get so much backstory i mean he goes through so many so many kids dying and everything and it is it is incredibly lean and even when he gets to the point where like we know we know what's going to happen like we know that he's they like when he says that he and his wife moved um we know that it's going to follow and it's just, it's, it's another kind of like sad and, and, and tragic kind of thing. But, um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's a, uh, it's a, it's a good one. It's a very good one. It really is. I was super fascinated and I read it more than once to kind of nice. just get my bearings a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that the very end, Matt, Mm -hmm. it, it really hits the reader. Like I felt like I was getting punched throughout oh, yeah. the story. Like I'm getting jabs to the face. Yep. And then at the end I get a huge gut punch and the wind gets knocked out of me because I, if you, the reader has that crushing realization that he was telling the truth. Yes. Our narrator was telling the truth the whole time because you 1000% do not believe that mm -hmm. you're like, you're insane slash you could be a crazy killer it's you you yeah. killed your kids oh yeah you're a nut job you are the bad guy mm -hmm. you 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 mr lester billings and then at the end you're like whoa <laughs> <laughs> yep yep it's it, it wasn't you yeah it is uh and when i say that night this is night shift <laughs> like it is so <laughs> Because, I mean, if you look Dang. at Night Shift, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a small book too. And there's like 22 stories in it. And it's just hit after hit after hit. It oh, is, man. it's so, it's so impressive. I um, love it. It is a very different King reading experience for oh, me. Yeah. And I'm not hating it. I, <laughs> yeah. I'm a, I'm a fan. Nice. Nice. Um, any other thoughts on the boogeyman? Uh, and, and what would you like to see in an adaptation, uh, that is supposed to come next year? Oh, great question. So one interesting observation, and this is definitely of its time mm -hmm. is when his children perish. I mean, child death is like, I think all of Hollywood has to tread carefully around that. Yeah. And in this story, it's always associated with crib death. Mm -hmm. and natural causes to where there's zero persecution of Lester and his wife. Yeah. Whereas in modern day, like you blink at a kid wrong and you're going to jail. Yeah. So I think I'm kind of eager for how they're going to spin it in mm -hmm. a modern day. Like our laws are very different. Yeah. And in the seventies, like no one gave a hell if a kid fell down right. a flight of stairs it's like, well, 
they're clumsy. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I, I'm curious how they're going to adapt that and too. the time period, how they're mm-hmm. going to do it. That's a really good point. I'm, and I'm curious. I'm, I hope that it's anytime, anytime it's announced that there's going to be like an adaptation of anything of Kings, I instinctively think like, okay, hopefully it's not like an adaptation in name only, or hopefully it's not just like something that they just took the bare bones of it and just did their own thing. Um, This is one that it is, if it's done right, it could, it could really delve into the stuff that we've talked about really in this, in this review. Um, but I kind of have this, uh, feeling that I don't know if they'd be able to go, uh, as dark as, as the story is. Um, yeah. So hopefully, hopefully it's good. Um, Right. I'm, I'm curious about that. I'm curious. I'm also hoping that when we meet Lester, he's middle, not maybe middle, middle age, but maybe like mm -hmm. mid thirties. I would like to see some Lester childhood and whether or not like how he was chosen. Like Mm -hmm. what did Lester do to piss off this monster? Like what happened with that? I like that. The kind of just expansion of it. That's that's I I like that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. This story shows or explains to the reader he was uh, 20. He met his wife at 18. Mm-hmm. They had an oops baby and he yeah. just <laughs> did the right thing and married mm-hmm. her. And they kind of had a ho-hum life with a bunch of kids. Yeah. And he has some dead end jobs. So we get the not so fun part of mm-hmm. his early adulthood. And like you mentioned earlier, he's cantankerous. He's, he's fried and bitter and jaded And it's like, okay, let's get early, Lester, before you became a giant butthole. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, that's really interesting. And I just looked at the um, director that's that's making the adaptation is uh, Rob Savage, who he did in 2020. He directed Host. I don't know if you saw that. It's it's a pretty crazy kind of like... Does it have insects? uh no 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 no. um no it had it's it's basically a uh pandemic horror movie where Mm -hmm. uh yeah it's it's a group of friends on a zoom call that are doing uh conducting a seance and then crazy stuff happens um it's it's really effective um and then he also directed this last year uh a movie called dash cam that i've heard kind of not great things about <laughs> um so we'll see but we'll see uh yeah but it it should be it's says it's coming to hulu in 2023 so <laughs> we'll figure it out right uh, we'll soon have to enough chat about it. oh absolutely oh yeah um yeah that would be that would be really fun to do to have you back on an episode reviewing that and the adaptation of sometimes they come back <gasps> i would love that that, would that be, sounds so fun that would be awesome okay i'm i'm taking that as a verbal commitment a verbal contract yes, yes. uh awesome i love homework matt i love it <laughs> nice uh so yeah so that is the boogeyman um yeah it is in night shift and it's awesome <laughs> um 
any other thoughts or should we move on to sometimes they come back? I really liked Boogeyman. Uh, yes. That's about all I got. Some <laughs> fascinating stuff in there. Good nice. choice. Nice. Thank you. Um, yeah. So now we're going to talk about sometimes they come back, which is a little bit of a meteor um, story than the boogeyman, uh, quite a bit. There's, there's a lot of good stuff in there. Um, it was first published in, uh, the March, the March 1974 issue of Cavalier. Um, and, uh, it does have a just kind of basic trivia, a TV movie adaptation, which we just alluded to, uh, starring Tim Matheson, uh, which aired in 1991. And uh, it was followed by two straight-to-video sequels, um, which I haven't seen either of them. And in terms of homework, I'm I'm not going to force you to watch those when <laughs> when the time comes to have you on for uh, for the movie. But um, I am tickled by the title uh, the title scheme for the movies because the first movie in 1991 is Sometimes They Come Back. And then in 1996, they came out with Sometimes They Come Back Again. And and then they followed that up in 1998 with Sometimes They Come Back for More. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. So I kind of think that that can maybe tell you what what to expect quality-wise, but... Copy that. Yeah. But the story is about an English teacher who is um very much uh disturbed by some students that keep popping up in his class uh after he had a uh uh confronted some demons from his past and had kind of a um uh, a bad mental spell basically um Kim what did you think in non-spoilers of sometimes they come back Wow, Matt. Uh, Firstly, holy hell. Um, (laughs) This one hit real close to home. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, This was triggering, to say the least. (laughs) I loved it. Nice. This is is an absolute wow for me. This Mm -hmm. is a wow. This is a shocked by the spooky, shocked by the darkness. Yeah. This was nuts in a great way. I really enjoyed it. The The premise is just terrifying. Mm-hmm. And as an instructor who's had more than my fair share of oddball weirdo students <laughs> that have made me a little unsettled to head into the classroom on a given day. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I've gotten some really freaky story. You know, I've mm-hmm. had some bad apples. Oof. This was effing terrifying like (laughs) this was just a nightmare served up (laughs) well i'm i'm sorry to put you through that i loved it i mean i'm not gonna lie i loved it but um yeah we got real close to the edge (laughs) (laughs) i will say out of the 22 stories in night shift this is my favorite of that whole collection um it's it is it is like you said earlier it is you can feel king holding back because there's so much that he could dive into with jim and his brother and with with the his childhood trauma 
and with the mystery of the of the of the teens that are coming back and everything but it is so he it's such an exercise in brevity and just horror like it is it is just so lean and mean and and i every time i revisit this story and I, we won't spoil it until we get to spoilers but every time i revisit it i i honestly forget the ending like i forget what happens at the end and i'm just like i'm kind of shocked and blown away all over again each time and it's it's just the mark of a just a really fantastic story <laughs> yeah the ending without spoiling anything it's like an explosion goes off med yep. oh my gosh it absolutely is an explosion i one of the things that i love about king in addition to him being a brilliant writer and character mm creator i i mean as horrible as it is when yeah. king explores childhood trauma you know it's just gonna be rich and deep yeah oh yeah and done with care and just there's an effectiveness to it that's just so it feels so raw it, it feels just so raw oh my gosh matt you are correct yeah. and with this childhood trauma, like this is one of the most shocking and graphic. Yeah. And I mean, I, I looking at it and looking at a lot of, of King's stories where the characters as children have horrific things happen to them. Mm. This is really up there yeah. by being one of the most horrific things someone could survive. I think yeah. like this is as dark as it gets folks. Yep. And very haunting and very sad. And so with our plot, our main English teacher, Jim Norman, mm -hmm. as a nine-year-old, witnesses the murder of his 12-year-old brother by three greasers slash coffin hunters. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and <laughs> we've got these, these three greasers who stab his brother to death in front of him yeah and like oh my god yep. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, uh, it, it's it hits really hard and mm -hmm. so this wild premise of he's teaching a entry-level english course as we all have to do mm -hmm. <laughs> and the murderers of his brother step into his class yeah. Like, no time has passed. The premise is genius. Yep. <laughs> it's hauntingly good. Mm -hmm. It's genius, genius, genius. Uh, absolutely. And it's so interesting that I, I don't remember if I purposely chose these two stories together. Actually, no, I don't think I purposely chose uh, both of them uh, for this reason. But it's so interesting that this is... Both of these stories are about people that are confronting traumatic experiences in their life and either searching for catharsis from it or searching for rescue from it. Um, and here, the, what I found so interesting this time reading uh, Sometimes I Come Back is that King kind of slowly brings us into what happened with with his brother, and he slowly brings us into it through fragments of dreams that Jim has at the beginning. And I just found that to be just so, just 
appetizing and then when we get it it's still it's a it's a floodlight on on the story that just opens it up and makes it just so traumatic and and horrifying um and with such a like realness to it um that just kind of brings us into the supernatural stuff later in in it's it's captivating i love that observation i think it's so so well said and what i what i really love about how this story starts off piggybacking off of what you said about this these minute little fragments mm. of what's tormenting jim is in our what's also really crazy matt is i totally thought you orchestrated these two stories because they have a lot in common (laughs) i was like oh look at this mastermind matt creating this (laughs) wonderful um plate for discussion i will take that credit (laughs) no matter how undue it is (laughs) both of these gentlemen both jim norman and lester billings are from connecticut Oh, oh Wow. Okay. I I didn't even pick up on that. They are both from Connecticut. And whereas Lester is really like manic and twitchy and mm-hmm. uncomfortable, Jim, when we first meet him, is so fragile and wounded. Yeah. And he's faced a lot of death and trauma. And he's mm-hmm. trying to keep it together for his job interview in order to get into this really good high school, which... Yep. God bless high school teachers who are way braver <laughs> than I will ever be. I can't do it. I would yeah, no. It's the it's not the students, yeah. it's the parents, just mm-hmm. side note. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so he is very different from Lester, but they're on the same wavelength in mm-hmm. trying to hold it together in different ways. Lester's just trying to figure this out. Yeah. Whereas Jim is very wounded and he's trying not to fall apart mm-hmm. to to get a good job and to get into this school. And I I really found when you look at these stories back to back you're like okay we can we can work with some stuff here. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I just I love how Jim's um his dealing with his past trauma, like like him having that kind of coming back, it it's so, it's it's, I don't know how to phrase it exactly, but it it's so un, uh, wow, there is a word that's escaping me, but it's it's something that's so not random, but it's like something that's out of his control that it's it's in his subconscious, it's always in his subconscious and everything, and then as it's manifesting itself in this with these kids that are in the classroom, it is just a constant, constant, um, reminder. And I love that King doesn't get too like busy in the details of it. He doesn't get too, uh, he, he doesn't get like too in the weeds with the backstory and the mystery of it or anything. He just lets it, lets it play out. Um, like another one of my kind of favorite, well, really one of my favorite stories in Night Shift is, uh, The Mangler, which is about a possessed piece of laundry equipment. (laughs) And I love that story because he gets in the weeds about what happened and how to, how to like vanquish it or how it could be vanquished. And like, he gets very detailed on that here. He just lets it kind of breathe and lets Jim's 
reactions and his experience and his past just drive like what he does and what like how he reacts to things and it is there are two different types of storytelling that that king can do and two of many really but here it's just it is it sings it's so it's so well done i i love it so much it is awesome and piggybacking on what you said about the brevity of it being Mm -hmm. a strength one of my favorite moments in this story it just blew me away and it's Mm -hmm. subtle but i was like oh yeah he's moving the story so quick right we kind of talked about how he's fighting with the desire to linger he wants to but he's not there's a moment where the three coffin hunters (laughs) are three villains Mm -hmm. which is uh, robert david and Vinny, Mm -hmm. and they're just these greasers who look exactly as they did in the 50s and it's 1970 something so basically jim confronts them Mm -hmm. and he goes you guys are dead. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're, we're totally dead. <laughs> right. And we're coming for you. Like, think not linger, like you mentioned, on the mystery, on the nope. what are they? How is this happening? What is going on? No, he just has them have a logical, <laughs> rational conversation where Jim says, you guys are dead. Yep. You, you are in my <laughs> class, but you're dead. It's you. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're totally dead. <laughs> yep. Yep. And there's just so there. It's so chilling in that moment. Just the matter of fact way. It's just so it's like, yeah, OK, like in any in a, in a lesser story, it would be it would be King just establishing the playing field and establishing what um, like establishing the stakes and everything. But here it's just like, I don't know, just moving along. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So we know subconsciously like, okay, how the hell is he going to get through this? Like, how is anything going to be fixed? Um, and it's just, it is, it's so great. It's so great. I, and I love it when King writes about teachers. I, I love that about him because like you said earlier, he is, he's an English teacher forever. And forever. It's so it it just feels like such a a a, a place like he's he's home when he's writing about these characters like that and to just have like this little like details here and there scattered throughout little like idi- idiosyncrasies I guess uh, all of the history like in his character there is just in such a such a brief time with the character like I could feel it be just expanded so much i could feel like there's so much history to to this character and it's so impressive yeah Yeah, this one leapt right off the page where we (laughs) met like there was so much where i was like oh that's (laughs) happened to me oh i know what that is and yeah jim really had to claw his way up from a trade school which those Mm -hmm. are a little bit rougher Mm -hmm. locations to teach and I really love his class schedule. He's got a couple periods he loves. He's got one or two duds. And then he has the one he hates. And yeah. that is so true to life. <laughs> that is so accurate. I can't even. That, like, nice. <laughs> you have the students that just make it all worth it. And you get up mm-hmm. out of bed for those students. And then you have the others that make you question your life choices. Mm-hmm. And 
I I love how close he gets to that reality. It's very <laughs> very real and palpable. That's but awesome. <laughs> I, I I love this so much. Um, this is when you compare Boogeyman, and there's mm. this was so cool, Matt. I know this was <laughs> random for you, but there when you compare these two, there's so much good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I am patting myself on the back. <laughs> <laughs> so so good. Um I yeah. I I really love what King did with this one. The premise is just incredible. Yeah. And I have more to say in this spoiler section mm. because the third act of this thing, Matt, my goodness. It's wild. It is wild. Um so let's go into spoilers then. <laughs> let's leave leave it to that. Um, uh, yeah, so we're going to go ahead and go into spoilers for sometimes they come back. I'm going to play some music here in a second, obviously. Uh, so if you don't want to be spoiled, um, uh, go read it and then come back and listen. So here we go. Spoilers for sometimes they come back. Okay, and spoilers on for sometimes they come back. Um, yeah, so Kim, where do you want <laughs> to start? Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I'll start with shortly after we have this confrontation between our three dead villains, our 15 to 16-year-old Hellions, mm-hmm. who are the very punks who murdered his brother Wayne. Mm-hmm. Once we kind of establish, like Jim goes up to them and and they have that logical um, tete-a-tete where mm-hmm. they're like, okay, this is <laughs> this is real life. You're dead and you're coming after me. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, man, the pacing. He just hits <laughs> the gas. King hits the gas and terrible stuff starts to happen. Terrible stuff yeah. has started to happen to many of the students in Jim's classroom once the mm-hmm. boys start to come back but i think jim had a very fine thread on sanity until his wife sally is killed yes that is one of the parts that just it it kind of just shocks me every time because i forget about that i forget about it um yeah it's it's it, yeah it's it's rough it is a rough time for him <laughs> oh my gosh Sally is killed. He snaps. Yep. He loses it, guys. And what happens <laughs> shortly thereafter, although we did have a couple hints before the mm-hmm. actual snapping, he goes headfirst into devil stuff. Yes. He channels a demon. <laughs> it It is so bonkers <laughs> awesome. And like... There's a moment where I don't know if it's when he first says like, oh, you guys are dead um, and they confirm it or if it's later. But like he he asks one of them, he says, like, where were you got Where were you at before? Like coming back here. And then right. there's just that little brief point where he's like, yeah, he just he looked out, he looked off to into space and he looked looked a little troubled and everything. And I'm like, that's the like that's like the the 
point of his his plan like coming like just sparking right there is like okay you know they're gonna come and and uh you know kill kids to replace them and then they're going to I don't remember if it's when he, it's definitely not when after uh before uh, after his wife died but he's like this is how I'm going to beat them. I'm going to just bring bring them bring what they're afraid of into like a classroom basically. <laughs> it's Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. Matt, it is so wild. Like mm-hmm. wild is the perfect description for this. <laughs> All caps wild. Yeah. Because so he he basically Right away, like there's mm-hmm. zero additional alternatives in this. Yeah, like, maybe I should get <laughs> a priest, or maybe I mm-hmm. should get an uh, you know, a doctor. Or yeah. it, he he snaps. He was struggling with his sanity really the whole story. Yeah, um, he full on snaps. He he really goes all in with summoning a demon. He draws a pentagram. Mm-hmm. He has physical items he he chops off his fingers he chops off his fingers like that is <laughs> and i love that i love how king writes that it's like oh yeah he chopped off his first finger like okay and then like he has <laughs> trouble with the next one and it's like it's such it's such a a fun like fake out sort of thing where King's like, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to go into the detail of, of him chopping off his finger. Cause just the fact that he chops it off is, is horrific enough and everything. And then it's like, oh no, wait, actually I'm going to go ahead and go into detail about how he can't break through the bone and he ends up just breaking it off himself. Um, because I'm, I am the puppet master and I have you in my, like, like I'm, I'm pulling the strings of your, fear centers with this story <laughs> it's oh, uh it's so great it is and it's just it's bonkers and it's off yeah. the wall so he he summons this demon who speaks in his mind a little bit mm-hmm. and then we actually physically see that the demon looks like his brother wayne yeah. which is like oh my god terrifying we oh, have yeah. oh yeah I know that Pet Cemetery hasn't been written yet, mm-hmm. but it's like, ooh, yes, age vibes. Oh wow, I didn't even make that connection. <laughs> <laughs> that is absolutely spot on. That is that is such a precursor to that. That's so interesting. I I love it. I love it. Right, we get little gauge vibes because. Yeah. Wayne was 12 and King writes that he had like a crew cut and he was just this Mm -hmm. little 50s kid, very akin to the sweet boys in the body. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's who I was picturing is is those kids. And Wayne in is this. Oh, it's so unsettling. I hate it. So it's so evil. It's so evil when like (laughs) when the, the dark side inhabits memory oh god it's dark as hell it that's yep. that really gets me <laughs> so like the sacrilegious like mm-hmm. oh it's so evil so wayne is it's demon wayne and wayne disposes of the boys the the are three villains yep but it's in it oh, do you want to talk about how that goes down <laughs> <laughs> yes it's <laughs> it's it's just so it I I love it. I love it. I love it so much. Like they're tormenting him and everything and like they get their just desserts and everything, but it's it is it is the thrilling like big 
finish and it works incredibly well. It's just, it's so, it's so good. Yeah. How did, uh, how did you feel? <laughs> I was, my jaw was like hanging open. <laughs> I, it mouth was a gape mm-hmm. as I, as soon as the demon stuff started happening, I was like, wow, we wasted zero time. Yeah. He, he just went straight for it. He has chopped <laughs> off both index fingers. <laughs> this is happening. His big brother is now a, a demon manifested. Mm-hmm. And I think if I remember correctly, the brother is like stabbing the guys like it, they're like the stabbing has returned. I don't know if I missed that. I might have. Don't remember. Yeah. But something, it, it's so explosive and bombastic. And the way that King talks about it is very like that intimate horror where it's just that childhood memory on loop. Yes. And I thought about one of my favorites. Um, one of these days you're going to finish it and we're going to have to talk about mm. it for a really long time. Uh, <laughs> Storm of the Century. Oh, one of yes. my favorite one of the coolest King villains, his name's mm-hmm. Andre Linoge, and he has this quote that I absolutely love in the film, and he says, hell is repetition. <laughs> and nice. I thought about that in this final scene because it is the past repeating itself. Like, mm-hmm. the boys are the exact same age. The moment is the exact same. The train, the <laughs> yes. ambiance of the horror and the trauma, it's all replaying. It's all mm-hmm. again. The repetition of the worst moment in his life is on loop. Yep. Again and again. And that is really unsettling. <laughs> that is so upsetting. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I love just the subtle touches of like just the train. Like he gets a record of a train sound effect and everything, which is it, it it's a great like uh, metaphor for it being, well, I don't know if metaphor is the right word, but, uh, just the loop looping aspect of it is just, it's just right all right there. It's just so great. Um, and then of course it just has that killer final line so good. <laughs> that just brings it all home that, the sometimes they come back. That's, it is, <laughs> it is so great. It is just so great. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's almost a little nonchalant, like almost as yeah. if it's horrifying. And then there's this mm. shoulder shrug moment, like, what are you going to do? <laughs> yep. And that's so, that's so interesting to me because it is, it is like a shoulder shrug, but it's also like, okay, he has, he's lost everything. Yep. He has physically just mutilated himself and everything. And, all he has to show for it at the end is, yeah, the demon might come back. They might come back. He might, you know, he might never escape this and everything. And it's just so, just so like nihilistic and horrifying. Yeah. And it is, it's dark. It's so dark. Right? I I the, love it. The ambivalence of all that yes. terror. He's like, don't care. Whatever. I don't have <laughs> yep. fingers. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I summoned a demon. Yeah. At least I got the dead kids out of my class. Right. Like, that's that's really cool. It's yep. like when you reach that point of shock and you, like you mentioned, losing everything, you're just detached yeah. from reality. That's that's creepy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's it's so great to see King when it, whenever he's able to just kind of marry those two fear centers of story where it's like a psychological horror and physical like 
in like uh like in-person horror i guess like physical horror versus like psychological horror it's just it's the whole package it's it's incredible um it reminds me a lot of misery actually <laughs> um at least the ending with the you know mutilation and being haunted um yeah that one's super climactic i yeah. forgot about that god that is one of the most badass fight scenes ever oh, it's so that- good it's so good I oh, I survived misery last year and <laughs> I I hated that book because it was the <laughs> darkest thing I've ever read but simultaneously I knew in my bones this mm-hmm. was the most brilliant thing I had ever read like this oh, yeah. was sheer genius but that final scene what I love just really quick tangent yep <laughs> is the whole story of misery starts with champagne which mm-hmm. is my favorite drink nice. and it starts with champagne with um paul making a very poor choice and driving drunk mm-hmm. and it ends with champagne with it does with annie bringing out that bottle to celebrate finishing the book and all hell it's That's so great so Matt. awesome it's amazing that has got to be one of the and by the time i i felt like a hollowed out husk of a human Mm -hmm. by the time i reached the end of misery so that fight scene was the most brutal animal thing Mm -hmm. i've ever seen and you you're ready for it you're ready to rip her apart oh uh, 100 percent it is it is it's glorious it's absolutely glorious um yeah um huge fan Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, uh, sometimes they come back, uh, the movie, I won't say anything to color your expectations or anything, except that the, obviously the story is better. Um, but I kind of feel like it's, it's one of those, I I don't know. What would you like to see in the movie? (laughs) Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll veer off of my criticism of it or anything so that you can go in fresh. What would you want to see in the movie? That's a great question. I, with Jim, I, I'd like to, we kind of get a a hurried accumulation of everything he's going through at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm really, I really need a kind of microscope on Jim and his Mm -hmm. sadness to make that bonkers ending seal and really stick because I think right now as the reader, you're so shocked by it. It's mm-hmm. shocking. And I think with a really good adaptation, we need to see him break. Like yeah. we need to see the pain and the drama and all of the loss in his life compounded again and again and again to where when he just goes to demon town and starts chopping <laughs> off limbs, it's not like a, oh my God, like a shocked thing. It's more like, yep. Yep, yep, this is this makes total sense. So <laughs> yep. <laughs> I I would like the drama. I really want mm-hmm. it to be a dramatic piece. Um and because yeah, if you're going straight to Devil Town, mm-hmm. you are desperado. And I'd like to explore that a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. what did he try before devil stuff? Like, did he, <laughs> yeah. you know, like what did he try? But then again, the story does a great job of saying he was powerless with how quick they were picking people off in his life. Mm-hmm. He yeah. was absolutely powerless. People, they are dropping like flies, Matt. Yeah. It is 
scary fast. And he's finding out about some of them just completely. It's kind of just kind of casual the way like like uh, when he when the first uh, student dies um, and he comes back from the like Christmas, like from the holiday holiday, um, he is like, oh, you have a new student. And then he's like, no, wait, I have 27. He's like, no, you don't. This one died. Um, It's just like (laughs) it's so like what? Like, wait, what? Um, but it is, it is something that it just feels like this ever present kind of thing. And I, I love how as, as, as committed to brevity as the story is and the way it unfurls and everything, I feel like the, the greasers torment of him is such a slow burn in contrast to just the escalation of all the tension and horror and everything because it's they just show up one by one and they're killing off kids showing up one by one to replace them and then you don't even like it's it's really up to him (laughs) to to get them out of out of his life and out of like to conquer those demons and obviously it's not until his wife dies that he really you know breaks like you said but it's just such an interesting just taunting uh slow burn for the greasers to to kind of levy at him as he's just dumbstruck by what's happening totally i love that that was so great (laughs) i also would like to maybe because all three of the greasers are really unlikable like you Mm -hmm. hate all of them and i wonder if it would be kind of cool to make them slightly likable, like make them really, um, he sees like the rotted wood beneath mm-hmm. them and maybe everybody else sees like, um, uh, pony boy and, <laughs> yeah. you know, like <laughs> sees these, these handsome, youthful mm-hmm. wild guys and that maybe they're popular and he tries to expose they're evil and the fact that they're dead and he's getting gaslit by everyone yeah. who's like what are you talking about these are just eccentric students and oh, that would be that's terrifying interesting that yeah i love that that would be awesome because um, there's no oh my god man there's so much vulnerability <laughs> when you're an instructor and mm. like administrators are parents oh and yeah you have to stand your ground a little bit. You mm-hmm. have to stick up for your curriculum. You have to really sort of say this was misunderstood or X, Y, Z. But if there's yeah. like a lot of them <laughs> coming <laughs> at you, you really quickly lose your footing. And right. you kind oh, of God. turn inward and you're like, oh, no, it's me. Like, at least that's <laughs> what I do. Like, right. did was I offensive? Was this <laughs> inappropriate? Like, I crumble easily mm. when it's multiple when i'm getting attacked from various angles right i'm like okay that's it pulling the plug yep so i would maybe like to see all the other educators in in my (laughs) life just cringe and die inside Mm -hmm. (laughs) and have uh jim get gaslit by by these standout greasers and pillars of the community when Uh, we know that dramatic irony that these are undead murdering freaks. Right. That, yeah, I like that. That might be fun. That reminds me of, and this is maybe a slight tangent. Well, definitely a tangent, but in 1996, it is, oh, it's available on Prime Video. Um, Did you ever see the Rick Moranis and Tom Arnold movie, Big Bully? 
It rings a bell. It does. Okay, so it's um, <laughs> it's uh I'll just read the plot summary courtesy of IMDb. A writer returns to his hometown where he faces the childhood nemesis whose life he ultimately ruined, only the bully wants to relive their painful past by torturing him once again. It's uh basically Rick Moranis is uh as a kid he was bullied by this by this bigger kid. And then he comes back years later and teaches and the bully is now a teacher. He's like the shop teacher. And it's just this weird, like adults, adults doing childish hijinks and stuff. Um, but it's interesting because it's one of those movies that I saw when I was a kid, I was like, what, 10, 11 years old. And like, I wanted to be a writer when I was a kid. Like, I wanted to write. That's just what I wanted to do. And so, like, any movie that had, like, a character that's a writer, I would be like, oh, I want to do that. I want to do that. <laughs> and uh, and so, like, this movie is really interesting because he, Rick Moranis, he, um, he, he's written a book. He's, like, he... Um, he's he's a published author and like he's celebrated in the town a little bit um but he goes back when he goes back home they set up a book signing and like there's a string of scenes where he no one's coming to his book signing and everyone that comes up is asking him what the uh where they can find the next uh the new Stephen King book <laughs> and it's just over and over again and i'm just like yeah okay i get that that's good um but yeah, but this story kind of is interesting because it kind of uh, reminds me a little bit of that movie that came out, you know, obviously decades later uh, or a decade, two decades. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a fascinating premise. There's something yeah. I mean, I, I was thinking a lot about it when I was yeah. reading this story as well, because we have uh, Henry Bowers mm -hmm. and I Patrick Hawksetter, even though he's he disappears yeah. pretty early. But yep you know, Bowers is such a piece of shit, you know, yeah. like he is, he is horrific in what he does to Ben. And yes. And so this really, I know it wasn't created yet, but I mm -hmm. think this, I feel like King was really wetting his appetite with something. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's so, it's so interesting to see, to be able to look at his bibliography and see like, see like how his mind works it's so interesting that, that he has like these ideas that he'll touch on and then he'll return to and it'll be expanded it'll be bigger but kind of like what we were talking about with with the boogeyman it's never it never feels like rehashing old plots or revisiting old things it's just always coming from another idea whether it's an expansion of an idea that he's touched on or a different side of it a different perspective it's just always just so so great it's like you it's like it's like you uh you like to say like on on your show and everything it's like we're we're being fed like this is just so delicious it's it's great yes it is always nourishing it yes, is always yes. always hitting the spot every time <laughs> yep Oh yeah. Uh so yeah, so uh anything else on sometimes they come back? Anything we didn't touch on? Um I know that there was the kid that gets like it, it's kind of an interesting escalation of of the of the greasers thing cuz the the one kid is like, "Well, you know, I want to 
you know, I told them that I was, I told them that I was going to get you. And then they were like, yeah, we're really going to get them. And that scared me and everything like, uh, yeah, I don't know. How did you feel about that and anything else with the story? <laughs> um, I, that's one of my favorite parts of the story, man. I just nice. love like the sound logic and yeah. King, King not wasting any time with lore or any time yep. with the preposterous, uh, <laughs> one in a trillion like he yep. no he's like this is a, a macabre dark gothic story mm-hmm. this is the reality they're back from the dead uh but one thing i really liked and this was very creepy mm-hmm. matt is the way all three of the boys die yeah like i love that and i wonder if that's kind of why they're doomed in death to be together is if I'm remembering the story correctly, they're in a car, which is very 50s, right? Mm-hmm. So they're going way too fast. Yeah. And they go off the road and hit a power line, which is bad enough. Yes. But then they get barbecued by said power line. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I think there's a direct quote in here where <laughs> King says they were cooked to medium rare. <laughs> yes, yes. That, that was awesome. That was awesome. Oh, yeah. I I really love that because yeah. I think the way they died, they're all together, mm-hmm. just rebellious little hellions, yep. and they just die in that way. And as a trio mm-hmm. locked in death, with some sort of vendetta against this frightened boy who is now a frightened man. And dang, there's just so much richness in this. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Yep. I, it's, it blows my mind. Yeah. Dang. (laughs) This one, I think it's like a 30 pager. Mm -hmm. And this one, like we've mentioned earlier, it's so fascinating to see King really forcing himself to hold hold it in and yeah. i would love 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 if there could be not necessarily an expansion on this story but mm-hmm. i don't know something similar so like i would love to see what king would do with this today it's yeah. very cool oh oh absolutely absolutely and like you said he does kind of touch on that or he does kind of play with that a little bit with it down the road it, it's a little bit different but i just i love that idea of like manifest like physical manifestations of past trauma and haunting haunting someone who can has not let go of something horrific because it is the most horrific thing that could happen to them basically and it's it's just so eloquent the way that it's just a like i said physical representation of it and it is it is just so, so, so good. Yeah. You are so right, Matt. This thing, I think sometimes they come back is a cornerstone for mm-hmm. it. I yes. really feel this is the seedling, mm-hmm. this story. And I'm granted, I haven't read all in Night Shift, so there may mm-hmm. be more, but I feel this is a huge contender. This little sproutling yeah. is, I think, definitely pollinated mm-hmm. the dairy kids and the losers club and what pennywise does to all of them and all of those childhood traumas we've got that sproutling here in this story and it's so cool to see yep absolutely absolutely and it's funny because like earlier in the episode i was saying like yeah i just want to i just want to reread the dark tower and do nothing else and everything and i'm now i'm like 
I haven't read it in a while. <laughs> oh my god, I will do it with you, Matt. Nice. I will do it with you. We nice. need to do it. Oh, absolutely. I, I feel the pull. I feel yeah. the pull so bad. <laughs> yeah. It's so dang good. It's just a game changer yeah. of a book. And oh, absolutely. I only, I've only read it once, and that's not good. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> That, yeah. Well, granted, it's a long one, so... It's, it took me, like, six weeks in human time, and <laughs> yeah. I I didn't have the audiobook, like, brick and oh, mortar, wow. page after page, day after Jeez. day. Yeah, I felt like I organ trailed it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Until I reached the coast, and I was a different person. Yep. I uh, And I've, I've banged the drum for the audiobook so much that people are annoyed, I'm sure, but... Stephen Weber reading it is one of the best like audiobook performances I've ever heard. It is That's why I want to do it. So I, good. I yeah. have like I, you're are you're maybe like the fourth or fifth person mm -hmm. who echoes that and I'm like, "Oh my goodness, I got to get on <laughs> it." I just I have to what am I doing? What am oh, I doing? Absolutely. I, yeah. <laughs> yep. Everything else is is a lie. Everything else is false. <laughs> <laughs> but I think yeah. 1000%. If there is a new Stephen King fan out there or a mm -hmm. constant reader and you have not yet read, sometimes they come back. This needs to be priority one. Like, yep. spend some time with this. This is huge. This is a cornerstone. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It is, like I said, it's my favorite story from Night Shift. And it is my favorite story in a collection that is filled with incredible stories. So, um, I wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly agree. It is, it's fantastic. So, yeah. I might have to break all my plans and just <laughs> yes. read Night Shift and that might have to happen. I, yeah. I really hope you do because it is so, because it'll give me an excuse to reread it, uh, myself Excellent. and it's, it's so good. It's so good. Um, again, it is it's him it's it's hungry king and it's he just puts everything out there it is so good um yeah um thank so. you for this homework assignment it oh was yeah so absolutely great. <laughs> yeah uh yeah thank you for uh joining me for this and uh and coming back on the show and everything um so that's our review of sometimes they come back and the boogeyman um yeah, so we can start winding down because I've taken up so much of your evening. Um, but uh, I love it. Always ah, know I love it. I never ever want to grow up, go to bed, all mm -hmm. the things. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> uh, so once again, if you could tell the listeners where they can find you and uh, where they can find uh, your excellent podcast and. If you can give us a peek at what you have in the coming down the pike with the podcast, if you have anything planned, um, I know that it is the end of the year, so it's, you know, it's understandable if there's like nothing immediate. Um, uh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, my name is Kim C and I host the Year of Underrated Stephen King. I teach university English for those of you <laughs> listeners who are like, why won't she shut up about being a teacher? I'm a I'm a real one mm -hmm. and I I love it. It's great. And so a couple years ago, I decided to 
talk about King the way I would in my classroom. And mm-hmm. so the podcast was born and I met a bunch of friends like Matt who are just the cream in my coffee and <laughs> <laughs> it's always a blast talking about King and reading these novels and feeling like I know this secret language mm-hmm. and that I have instant friends. So we just celebrated our 100th episode a couple months yes, back. Yes, congratulations again. Just so great. So great. Thank you so much. I yeah. did not think we would make it. Oh, man, <laughs> did not. I I wanted to give up many times. So <laughs> But I'm still having a lot of fun. You can find us on all the podcast outlets. But if you're on Audible, we're on mm-hmm. there. And it's pretty cool. Um, nice. Apple Podcasts, Google, all the things. Uh, please say hi. If you have listened to the show for a while and you haven't yet wrote the show, I'm a huge pen paler. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> I love chatting with listeners and talking about king titles i no king title is ever off limits so if you pick one from super early episodes i have for whatever reason i can't remember yesterday but i can remember (laughs) the king plots pretty well for the most part um so we can talk about these novels you can write me at underrated sk at gmail for 2023 Mm -hmm. we have oh just so many but (laughs) I am thinking about if, of course, I don't nosedive into Night Shift first. (laughs) Right? I think it will definitely have to happen. Mm -hmm. But my, I, right now, even though I might change my mind five times, (laughs) right now, I think I'm going to start 2023 with Four Past Midnight. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I think I'm going to do the four novellas and I'm going to dedicate an episode to each novella. So we'll really yes. take our time. So I'm excited to read The Langoliers. I've never read any of these before. I've never, ever read anything in Four Past Midnight. <laughs> I, <laughs> you, have the, you have the happiest face. I, I am so excited for that because... It, I love Four Past Midnight. It it is and yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, yep, yep. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> oh, okay, I feel I feel more compelled because mm-hmm. I absolutely adore novella collections. That's mm-hmm. what started my king journey. So yep. I'm obsessed. I'm absolutely in love with them. So I really want to spend some time with Four Past Midnight. Never read it before. So I feel that will get us started into 2023, year of the rabbit. Hopefully it's Mm -hmm. lucky. And then probably (laughs) right after Four Past Midnight, I got to get back to Roland. I got to. I just got to. I need to be with him and Susanna and Jake and Oi, and I, I miss them. I really miss everybody. Yeah. I got to get back to the quartet. So I think I will head back to the Dark Tower. So that'll probably get us into March. And yep. then <laughs> every, everything else, who knows? But I hope to have more constant reader interviews, make some nice. more friends, because they're they're just a lot of fun. And oh, yeah. they're it's just a delight. And I'm, I'm chatty Kathy and really social. <laughs> so I really like doing them. So yeah, I think we're going to keep this train a moving. We're going to keep on keeping on awesome. until it's not fun anymore, but it's still fun. And it'll always be fun, I think, because it's mm-hmm. king and there's no better club to be in. Oh, absolutely. And again, huge, huge fan of the show. Very, very excited for uh, for uh, everything you just said. <laughs> 
<laughs> like I'm, I'm just still so like gobsmacked by four past midnight. The idea of you covering it, that's going to be amazing. Um, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't want to say anything about it because it's, okay. it's just, it's so, it's so, it's so good. I really like that collection. <laughs> um, Yay! Yeah. Oh, that's so encouraging. And oh, yeah. thank you for being just the coolest Stephen King bestie. I'm so proud <laughs> of all your work. And thank you for having me on your show. I love oh, this yeah. place. I love Tower Junkies. And you're such a tremendous support on my King journey, my Dark Tower journey. <laughs> so mega hugs to you, Matt. Ah, thank you so much. And thank you for coming on and everything. And uh we will definitely have you on obsessive viewer uh we'll get that worked out and everything because i'm i'm excited to, to i can't wait that. yeah oh yeah um all right well that will do it for this episode of tower junkies um once again kim thank you so much uh for for joining me for this and uh many many merry christmases holidays and happy new year and everything to you um, and once again, uh, check out Patreon, patreon.com slash obsessive viewer for a bunch of extra content. Um, I just went ahead and just started playing myself out. So I'm going to talk while it goes. <laughs> so, happy uh, new year. Tower yes, junkies. Happy new year. Uh, so, long uh, days long days and pleasant nights. nights and may you have twice the number. <laughs> yes. May you. And now enjoy this short clip from our Patreon exclusive RSS feed. For the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, such as early access to episodes, TV book and movie reviews and reaction recordings, commentary tracks, and Patreon potpourri episodes, go to patreon.com slash obsessive viewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. I literally, I think that because what I do is I have like a playlist and I'll like do... Like, I'll have, like, a couple episodes of Freedom, and then while I'm asleep, then that's when my voice will come on, and I'll start talking and everything, and I'll be doing my my podcast stuff, like, Patreon reviews and everything. And, like, mm -hmm. since I started doing that regularly, I have noticed, and this is really sweet, I've noticed that more often than not, when I wake up, pizza is laying, like, right next to me, like, near the phone. <laughs> oh. And it's like, oh, it's, it's, it's daddy story time. Um, voice. Yeah. This podcast was edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find links to all of our shows at ObsessiveViewer.com slash podcasts. For exclusive bonus content, including reviews, commentaries, and B-roll episodes, you can subscribe to our Patreon at Patreon.com slash ObsessiveViewer. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.